bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict and my hope was found in a needle. eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Jason Blackshear. Hello. Thanks for coming on today. It's good to be here. One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries. Uh, many times you hear the negative impacts that drugs and crime makes on our community, but what you don't hear about is the positive impact one radically changed ex-drug addict makes on our community. And uh, through One Broken Life, we get to explore the intimate details of people's lives. So we're going to open the tent up today. We're going to get in, in your life, Jason. We're going to talk about all the things that have been, you've been through in your life to bring you to where you are today. I'm super excited yeah. about this day because I know that you've got a powerful story. Um, and I believe that God's going to use you and is using you in a mighty way. So thank you for joining us. Amen. So let's kind of just uh, start off with, you know, the name of our podcast is One Broken Life. And uh, there's a few reasons why. One is because I believe that God honors brokenness. Uh, when you're broken, um, Psalms 51 says that, uh, I think it's 5117, it says the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. It says a broken heart, broken and contrite spirit. It says that, that God will not despise that. That's the sacrifice God's looking for, right? And uh, I found these verses as I was going through Psalms um, in my private time, I just wanted to share this with you today and with our with our viewers. Um, Psalms 119.17, excuse me, Psalms 119.67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Mm. And then and then over in the same chapter, Psalms 119.92, uh, it says, Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And... Uh, and so brokenness, right? That one broken life is 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 why we do what we do um, as we explore your life. And so, give our listeners just today five minutes, uh, maybe just a few, five, whatever. What was your life like growing up? What was your childhood like? Oh, it, well, broken uh, would be a good way to describe it. Um, my parents divorced at a early age. I wasn't, my older brother wasn't in school yet. I remember uh, like kind of one of the last fights um, of my mom leaving and not seeing her again, uh, except sporadically um, for a long time. And so my dad raised my brothers and I uh, completely by himself um, for many years. Um, my mom went to prison. I was in school. I'm thinking first grade ish somewhere in that neighborhood uh, and I remember my dad telling us about it uh, but she was not around and 
like honestly, uh, my youngest brother's four years um, younger uh, or six years younger than me. And because of my mom's addiction, when she brought him home to her house, I remember picking the baby up with dad and my other brothers and my dad raised the infant. I mean, as soon as he come home from the hospital, uh, my dad taught us to, to work hard. Um, you know, it was with an iron fist, uh, but I was so ornery. Like I was into everything. I was bad to steal. I liked to fight. Um, he started taking me to work with him at a young age because I would fight with my brothers, you know, or whoever was around. I was just, and you couldn't keep me out of nothing. So he would take me to work with him, and um, that's basically how I spent my summers. Um, he would literally take me out of school as much as possible to help him because I was his main hand. Um, and then this life with my dad, you know, that's the first person I got drunk with. Um, you know, and my, my alcohol and drug use started about 12, and, um, and then I moved out when I was in school, you know, so... So when you were in school, you're talking about 15, 16? No, I was, uh, I was 18. Yeah, I was, okay. I was my senior year. Okay. Yep. And what kind of work did you guys do together? Construction. Yep. Okay. So when did your drug use started at what age? 12? 12. So how'd that happen? Um, honestly, the, the drug use started with, uh, my dad had a good friend and it was his son. Him and I were best friends, of course. Uh, our dads were good friends and um, he had an older brother that was probably uh, six or seven years older. He was in high school. Uh, we were in grade school, and uh, we bought a, a sack of weed off of him. And we, I would smoke weed with him. And then it got to where I would steal my dad's weed uh, at times. So tell us as we, um, as we kind of explore your life, Jason, um, what brought you, brought you to the place of you're starting to use drugs and alcohol when you're 12? You move out when you're 18, functioning addict, right? Your dad was a functioning, someone who was a functioning drug and alcohol user, I guess, yep, too. Yep. Um, and he's not on the show, so we're not trying to, like, talk about him a lot. But yep. um, that's kind of, you know, work hard, play hard type thing. Yep. Um, but w what brought you to your place of brokenness? What brought you to the place to where you're, like, so you're 12 and you're 18, you're on your own, you're working hard, you know, um, Work hard, play hard, and finally you, you, you just come to a place where you surrender and you get broken. What brought you there? It was a long, hard road for me. Um, you know, I went to prison the first time when I was 20, and it was just for a 120, but then from 22 to what's 20. A one, what's a 120? It was a, it was a, a 120 treatment. 120 days? Yep. Okay. Yep. Just so you can have it. Everybody doesn't understand that. Yes, it was a 120-day treatment, uh, and it's for violation. I was on probation um, uh, for stealing a four-wheeler, and then I dirty UAs. Uh, What's a UA? Uh, a urine analysis. Drug test. Drug test. Yeah, okay. failed my drug testing. Um, about three or four different assaults at bars. Um, so I had some misdemeanors that uh, sent me to do this 120 uh, treatment at Boonville. And then I wasn't out a year <clears throat> and got in more trouble, just back to the drugs and alcohol and got in a, a fight on a creek bank in Forsyth. And so from 22 to 25, those birthdays were a county jail and at Licking. Okay. And Licking is a 
high level prison. Yes, it's a level five maximum security prison. So you was getting in trouble in prison. Yep. And getting your, even though you weren't a lifer, uh, I'm just explaining for our viewers when you're when you get in trouble in prison, they raise your level. Even if you've got a, a hundred days left, you'll be inside a prison with lifers. Yep. Because of your behavior. Yep. And that's why you end up getting life out of a hundred day sentence. You go to jail or prison for 120 shock. Yep. And you end up getting a life sentence. Yeah. And uh, it happens a lot, doesn't yep. it? Yep. And so you're in a you're in a level five prison from 22 to 25. You spend every birthday, holiday. Yep. You probably can't remember when you had a Christmas sober before you came, or a our birthday, no. our New Year's, yep. or Labor Day, or Memorial Day. Yep. Because coming from our people group, yep. uh, those are times when people say, "This is when we party. This is when we use." Yep. These days are days that we use the excuse to get high and drunk, right? Yep. Um, so. So you get out of prison. How old are you? Your last time? Twenty-five. How old are you now? Forty. Okay. Yep. So you get out of prison. Your last time, you're twenty-five years old. Yep. Um, you you leave a level five prison. What happens then? Well, I decided whenever I was uh, in prison that um, I was going to quit drinking whiskey. Uh, that's what my I didn't have anybody speak the Lord to me uh, except one guy in county jail named Larry Sanders, and I and I had told him immediately. You know, I don't want to mess with God. I didn't feel worthy. You know, what I knew of God was a God of wrath. That was my outlook on our Heavenly Father. And <clears throat> so nobody even approached me about the Lord except Him. And so I just kicked in there. I mean, just like I was anywhere else, did drugs, made hooch, got in trouble. Um, but when I got out, I said, I'm not going to drink whiskey. And so I did the beer and marijuana uh, maintenance program and made it through my parole doing this um, and then the mess started back in about 2010 and I did go to prison for another uh, 120 shock in 2012 and this is where I first started reading the Bible was then um, and I had a, a lengthy sentence it was a 15 year backup with 85% and I got a 120 uh, shock so a 50-year backup? 15. 15 yep. with an 85%. So what that basically means is that uh, his backup was if he didn't finish his probation in the amount of time he was supposed to say you got five years probation. Is that how long it was, five yep. years? Okay. So five-year probation, if you get violated in those five years, you do 15 yep. in prison. Yep. And you have to do 85% of the 15 years. Yep. So that's a pretty... Basically, they usually give you that because they think you're not going to make the five years. Yeah. So they'll let you out, and they'll give you that thinking you're 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 going to reoffend. Yeah. And honestly, what part of what caused me to start reading that Bible? Because um, I, I I'm there on this 120 shock with this 15 year backup, knowing like I can't fight, I can't do anything I used to do in prison, like all the old ways that I learned in prison. I know that I can't resort to because I'm not going to do this 12 and a half flat, and. So I've got this stinky bunkie um, that I'm not wanting to fight, you know. And in prison, if you don't take a bath, that's a sign of disrespect. Yeah. And if you don't brush your teeth and you don't take care of your hygiene, you get beat up. You basically get made to take a shower or hit the button and go to a different place. Yeah. So. And so the next day, whenever I was cleaning the cell, when we got cleaning supplies, uh, there was a Bible underneath that old radiator heater, if you've ever been at Fulton. You oh, know? Yeah. So there the Bible is. And... I remember thinking, like, I'm not the kind of guy to throw a Bible away. So I threw it on the desk, cleaned the cell, and literally forgot about the Bible. And I remember laying in my bunk after exercising, just was drawn to the Bible and started reading it. 
And honestly, I was just terrified. I still had this God of wrath. I started reading it where you would any book at the beginning. And I remember about two weeks reading it. I'm into Deuteronomy and I tell this guy going to Chow Hall, I'm like, dude, there's no sense in me changing. Like, they're just going to take me to the edge of town and stone me to death. And so he tells me, he's like, dude, you got to learn about Jesus. And I'm like, who? And he's like, you need to read the New Testament and learn about Jesus. And so I did. And like my revelation was that he loved me no matter what. It wasn't about surrender. It wasn't about making him Lord of my life. Uh, so when I got out, this didn't uh, stick, you know, as far as me being surrendered or doing well. Amen. You know, it's a great adventure. Yeah. I was praying on the way here, and uh, I called quite a – well, I don't know I'm going to talk about that, but I've, I've been praying a lot today. And uh, on my way here, I said, Lord, thank you for putting me in such a great adventure call Christianity. Yeah. I want to be faithful. Give me endurance to be. To, and this is why, yeah. brother. Yeah. Because I get to meet people like you, man. Yeah. And get to watch your life change. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. It's so cool. And uh, I want you to know that. But um, so here you are. You're learning about Jesus in prison. Yeah. Thank God for the prison Bible. Yeah. And, uh, whew. and so you're there. You're learning about Jesus. And uh, you're seeing that God loves you unconditionally, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's no strings attached. It's because of his covenant that he, the father made with his son. Yep. And and so now you're you're there and you're getting it. Yep. Then what happens? Well, then I come home uh, to my my then wife. Um, when I was calling home, t- talking about Jesus, she wanted nothing to do with the Lord. <clears throat> She's like, church people are, are hypocrites, and um, she wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, she had the story of she got taken to church by some of her uh, friend's parents, and she got saved. She was good. And I'm like, well, I feel good reading the Bible. Like, I'll just read the Bible. I didn't know anything about being a spiritual leader. I didn't know, you know, it, those things. I wasn't talking to counsel or anything, you know, now looking back. Um, and reading the Bible, um, I, I didn't use meth for two and a half years when I got out. Um, I did drink. I did the—I would maintain with six beers a day was my—like, I, I, that was my restriction, which I didn't always keep, of course. Um but when I started using uh, meth again, that marriage dissolved in one year. Um, that's when I spiraled. Um, I had a thousand acre ranch that I was leasing to buy to own, had cows on it. My business was good. Um, but there was no Jesus in the center of everything. It was a little, I, I, I stayed reading the Bible every morning until I used that meth. And I remember after I used that meth, I went to open my Bible. It was a couple days later because my second son was born the night before. It's when I used this meth at a diaper party we were having where we were drinking. And uh, anyways, I couldn't do it. I was the shame and the guilt. Like I wouldn't, and I quit reading, and then everything just. So tell everybody what you did, what your business was. Logged. You were a logger. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so the meth evil that you put in your body became part of you yep and uh and i'm reminded of whenever the demons would come into people jesus didn't say uh hey jason he would say demon you know and i believe whenever you put drugs in you you are literally putting evil evil becomes a part of you because it's in your dna now it's in your blood one dna not dna but it's in your blood it's in your body it's in you know you introduce it to who you you put it in you you're overtaken by it and um, and so meth began to control your life. Yes. And um, and so then what? Well, 
then I did, I just surrendered to the meth and the, the, the debauchery, you know, that's what it was. Um, I ended up selling the cows. Uh, my ex-wife kept the ones that were paid for. Uh, I sold the equipment, like squandered a lot of money away in a short amount of time. I got divorced in 16 and in 17, I was in jail for six months, three different times for assaults for two months at a time. And then just in, so in less than a year, I mean, $100,000 just gone, yeah. you know, in assets and, and stuff. Uh, and it was the third time I was in jail um, in 2017, and I was on a boat in Christian County where I was. What's a boat? It's a, where they're overcrowded, and there was about eight to ten of us sleeping on the floor in the pod. The boat is like a little plastic. Yep. It looks like a, a it looks like a kid's pool. Yeah. And they put a mattress in, and that's yep. where you sleep at. Yeah. And that third time I was in jail, due to the, just the way things were happening, like nothing was going right, right? Like nothing. Like for any amount of time, like everything would just, it was just crazy. And uh, and so like I realized it as I went to jail. It was the only time I really turned myself in. I knew I was going to go to jail for this assault. And I went and seen my PO, and she put me in jail. And that very first morning when they flipped the lights on, I rolled out of that boat onto my knees, and I just asked God to fix my life. And he started to, um, but it wasn't quick. Like it was this, I went to a men's encounter. I encountered the Lord in a way that I never had before. Got plugged into church, um, uh, going through this divorce and fighting custody. And I was, my faith was in the Lord. I knew that the Lord wanted me with my children. But as this was going on, as the things were progressing forward, like good, like I was going to church and they changed the visits from supervised to unsupervised. Um, she quit bringing my children because uh, the things weren't going in her favor. And uh, I started drinking like I didn't I didn't have my feet on solid ground. Um, and honestly, as I was going to church in this time, like I was figuring out how much God really loved me. I didn't feel that I deserved it. Like it was such a struggle, like looking back now. I'm not knowing my identity. I wasn't saved. I would have told you I was saved. I wasn't saved then. Right. And uh, so I see why I was having such a hard time um, because I didn't know the child of God that I actually was. And when life happened, when the winds and the waves come. What do you think your number one, besides being truly, genuinely converted to Christ, what do you think your the biggest element missing from your life was? Accountability. So what's another word? Discipleship? We are oh, yeah, discipleship. There you go. So uh, I'm not trying to lead yep. you into questions, yep. but I'm, I am, but I'm not. You sure. Because the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of times, and we go through different things. We, get, we join up with different things. We do different things, and it's a lot of emotional highs. Yep. You know? But, you know, we, we train our people that your feelings can be trusted, right? Yep. Up, down, up, down, up, down. And so if you're led by emotion, you're always looking. It's like a, drug addicts. They, 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 they love, I'm just going to say, a lot of times the charismatics have a lot more recovery ministries because drug addicts love chasing highs. Yep. And so it's always the next, and you know, they use different words, uh, and I'm not going to mention, but um, it's, it's looking for the next. So if I'm, I'm not looking for that feeling, that encounter, that this, that, that, you know, uh, you know, if I, I'm going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and so instead of just being trusted in the faithful word of God, 
being discipled and being trained, um, and knowing who you are in Christ, being a student of the Bible, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, so you start drinking. You're you're uh, you're you're being a big dummy again. Yep. And um, and you mess everything up. Yep. And so, uh, just give us an idea. I always ask everybody this, but um, tell us about your your dark your darkest moment. You can think back. Um, just that, just to give our people an idea of your your broken place, like your darkest moment, that moment where you can look back and you say, "Man, that was my low point." I'm going to say before I got to freeway, like because of my heart, how broken it was, um, the depression. Um, I mean, I wanted to eat a bullet. It was the first time in my life where I was ready to give up the ghost. I was just ready to give up the fight. Um, and it was because I messed up again. I thought I thought I would never drink again, and I did, and I wrecked my truck. And I'm dating this girl that I'm not living with, I'm not having relations with, I'm trying to do something right. And so I drink, and I come home from Illinois, from where I'm working, and have relations. And I knew immediately, because I, I stayed drunk for like a week. And when I quit drinking, like I didn't get out of bed for a week. Like I didn't move. I, I would literally go to the bathroom maybe once a day and just stay curled up. And I remember about the third day of this, I got down to pray, and I went to pray Psalms 23. And when I got to where he restoreth my soul, I just started sobbing and got back in the bed. And I would say that to me, like, that was it, like, the lowest point for me. Now, there was a lot of these things that led up to that, of course, the the my wilder ways and the things that I'd done, but that was it for me. So you shipwreck another relationship. Yep. And... uh so let's talk about how you ended up at the front porch of this ministry. All right. What, what brought you there? Just briefly, what brought you to the door of Freeway? Well, basically, this when I messed up in the custody battle, I was on uh, an ankle bracelet for, uh, seemed like a year and a half, a breathalyzer. In the first six months, every two hours, 24 hours a day, I blew in this breathalyzer. Because the judge, when she see me, she said, I've never seen you in trouble sober. So that's what she did. She gave this restriction. And then I was on um, an app um, for, no, I stayed on a breathalyzer for almost three years. And then I was on an app um, on my phone that would take my picture. And so uh, my girlfriend's brother had beat me up in one of my drunken deals. And this app sees a picture. And so they call me. They've been doing me five years solid, you know. And so they're like, what happened? And I give them, I didn't really tell them, you know, told them I fell off my bike or something silly. And they're like, you need to come in and see us. And when I come in and seen them, I told them about the DWI that I got in Illinois. And I told them I was drinking. And they said, well, you know, you need to quit. And they, they told me, they said, look, we're, we're not going to tell you this is something you need to do. And so the next day they call me and they said, what are you doing? I said, just driving around. They're like, are you drinking? I said, yeah. They said, come in and see us. So I come in and seen them. And they give me a breathalyzer, and I blew close to a point two. They're like, look, can you get a ride? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, look, we're going to come up with a plan because you're going to crash out, and we don't want to see this. So I go home. I quit drinking. I come there the next day not drinking, and they put me on another breathalyzer. And um, so I'm on this for a couple of weeks before I do the application with them to come to Freeway. Um, after somebody told me that they were too full, um, that I wouldn't get in, um, I, I put the application in anyways with them. And I got a phone call just a few short hours later. And honestly, 
I decided, because uh, I'd went to my divorce attorney and was uh, taking some bank papers there, and there was this little uh, sushi bar in Ozark called the Thai House that I would go to. Nobody was ever there, and I decided while eating <clears throat> that I was just going to go get high, and I was going to go back to drinking. I was done feeling the way that I was feeling, and uh, so I called my buddy, ordered the fat sack, and then I get a phone call. It says, can you be at Victory Mission by 6 o'clock? It's like 4.15, 4.30. And I live at Chadwick. And I'm like, oh. I see God in his sovereignty. Like, if I'd had much time to think about things, like, it wouldn't happen. So I went and got my bag and went up there. And, of course, pulling the Victory Mission, homeless shelter, I called the number, which was Casey Merrick. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm supposed to be getting into freeway ministry. What am I doing at a homeless shelter? And he told me I was where I was supposed to be to get checked in. And he would be there to pick me up in 15 minutes. So that's mm -hmm. how I got to the front doorstep. So I, I was lead. We have a Bible study on Friday mornings for men, and I see this guy standing in front of the, in front of the door. It looked like he'd been growing his beard since he was four, and uh, I opened the door up, and I and you had your Bible, and I said, "What are you doing here?" And you said, "I'm here to learn about God," <laughs> and uh, and I said, "I can't wait to hear how you got here today, but we're gonna have this Bible study first, and and that was the first day I met you. Yep. Um, here at, at, at the door of Springfield and Freeway. And so um, so tell us about, so you work your way into the program and you're in the men's house, our one-year-long residential program for men. And what was your first night like there? What was it like when you moved into the men's house? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because the first night I was there, I filled a, I got a false positive for UA. Uh, the urine now, so they get you as, you, as they're um, doing the, uh, the intake on me. We drug test everybody. Yeah. And so um, I literally take the UA and then go to bed immediately. Like I was, that's what I did. And they come in there and said, is there a reason why you would be dirty for some sort of pill? And I'm like, no. And so I come in and take another UA and fail it. And I'm thinking, give me my phone back. I'm out of here. Like God's telling me not to be here. And they call Casey on speakerphone. He said, nah, just tell him to stay the night and we'll, we'll get him a UA in the, in the morning at the lab. And so I've got a job at the Blue Iguana the very first day I was in the program, and I got to shave my beard. So the next morning I wake up and I start my devotion, and I didn't have any thought of not doing, not shaving my beard or not going to this UA because um, I was ready to do whatever it took. So I shaved my beard, and, and uh, one of your guys come and picked me up, took me to the lab. I was good, and that was my first night in the house. Um, it wasn't really that awkward, though, you know, because uh, some of the guys had been picking me up while I was at Victory Mission, going to church, uh, going to the Bible study and, and everything, the seasons class. So I was kind of familiar with people, so it wasn't awkward or, or anything. And honestly, as it was explained to me why I was at Victory Mission first was that they don't just let somebody come in the house straight off the street, and it eliminates a lot of trouble. And so it was a good environment right off the start. They got to work their way in. Yeah. And, and the reason is, is because we call that obedience-based discipleship. And, and if, 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 uh, if I wouldn't live with them, I don't want you to live with them. Yep. And so everybody in the house has either worked their way in from the street or prison. And you can lay down and look over there and know that guy is most likely is not going to steal your stuff. He worked his way in. He yep. earned a spot just like you. Yep. So it's a good That's vetting good, process. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, um, so there's a lot of structure in the men's home. Um, you you learn how to. It's not just addiction. We we address behavior yep. and the heart, and we believe that when the 
when the heart gets taken care of, the addiction gets taken care of. Um, and so Amen. addiction never was your problem. Yep. You've had a heart problem. Yep. And, and so tell us just briefly, if you can, how did the men's house change your life? Oh, man. Like, that's where my life changed. Um, you know, learning to get along with others, you know, because I call it cohabitating, living with other uh, adults and doing it in a mature way. Um, these disciplines uh, for things, for addressing these behaviors, um, setting down and having an adult conversation, addressing the sin, applying scripture to it to correct it. Um, that's, I mean, it changed, that's what changed my life. That's what taught me to surrender was the discipleship house. Yeah, and you, you know, resolving conflict like a man. Yep. Because what, what do children do when they have a fight. problem? They fight, they yep. scream, they yell, or they run. Yep. And, um, and so that's what drug addicts do yep. when they have problems, right? Yep. And so that fight or flight thing. But fight or flight is not Christian. Yep. It's not, it's, it has no Jesus in it, right? And so the Bible says approach your brother one-on-one -on -one and tell him the problem that you have with him. And if he hears you, you win your brother, right? Yep. And so we teach that conflict resolution, which helps out yep. down the road. And we'll talk yep. about that in just a minute. Yep. So before we uh, kind of get there, tell us about how you got saved. You know, really, I would, I'm, it'd be March of 22 is when I got saved. And um, that's when I give it up. Like, I would say like it was this process, but I'm not going to go into all that. But it was in March. Um, there was an altar call here. And it was your, somebody, a former lead worship singer that had been leading worship for a long time. And him and his wife got saved after many years in the church and all these things. And I have this pull on my heart and I'm like, I'm like, I'm saved. Like, I didn't go to the altar that day, that night, because I was, like, fighting it. Like, like I'm saved, right? And uh, so the next day was Kyle Grosinger's uh, ordination. And when heads were bowed and eyes were closed, and you said if somebody wanted to surrender to ministry, like, that's what clicked. But when I was at the altar with another guy that was in the house, and he's like, hey, when you get done praying, I want you to pray with me. And so I ask him if he's ready to give it up, and he does, and we pray. And I, and that's when it was. That's when I decided to give it up, that I wasn't going to be um, sprinkling Jesus on top of my life. It was going to be I decided right then that this was it. I'm going to follow you no matter what. Amen. Yeah. And so you give your life to Jesus, March yep. 22. Mark, yep. Man, March is a good a good month to get saved. Yep. I got married the next year in March. Everything's good. Yeah. And, and listen, it's never a bad month to get saved, dude. No. Yeah. You know? True. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you surrender your life uh, to the Lord. Where did you first serve in church? Um, great team. And what about ministry? Oh, I mean, everywhere here. You know, okay. mop ministry, um, bus ministry, yeah. uh, house leader, um, everywhere. So you, you became a house leader, yep. which means you were the pastor of the house. Yep. The eyes and the ears and the voice of our of your leadership. Yep. Accountability. You were the police. Yep. And isn't it funny how things change when yeah. you become the house leader? Yeah. Because you're the you're you're the uh, you're the um, the authority now. Yeah. And so people you were best buddies with all of a sudden they don't like you anymore. Yeah. And it's not because you change; it's because you're an authority now, yeah. and people have an authority problem, right? Yeah. And so you're. You're, you're learning, right? You're learning what leadership is like. You're learning how to be a father. You're learning how to pastor, right, all in one. Um, and so uh, tell us about getting your family back. Tell us about how 
Uh, so you had, you had a child in the program. Uh, this woman has been waiting for you. Uh, and, you know, we're very strict yep. uh, with relationships, and we believe that, you know, you give us a year of your life to change the rest of it. Um, no romantic relationships for the first year, and that includes emotional through phone calls, this and that. you got to focus on Jesus and your recovery for that one year. So you have a son, and uh, this woman has been waiting for you. How, was, how hard was that, man? You know, it really, um, it really wasn't that hard uh, because I believed in the fruit of obedience, what I was taught. Um, and as probably one of the, the, the biggest moments is when I first got here and got my job at Luguane, and I come in and was wigging out about this $12 an hour job, and you told me my problem was in the mirror, and I had nothing to say. I had no argument. There's nothing I could say. There's nothing good I'd done that I could say to you at that time. So it was like, that was like what I held on to, you know. Um, and I believed and trusted that God was going to keep it together if it was meant to be. Um, we honored our no talking, not one text message, not one email. There was no open communication. And God blessed it. Um we did start uh, uh, communication about two months before Joseph was born um, to get finances in order because I uh, uh, told Allison that I would take care of her and the, and the child when I was in the program because we knew that we were going to be able to talk. Um, and I knew that I was having a son or I knew I was having a child. And uh, so through talking with Casey and him sorting out because he said he admitted I've never dealt with anything like this, um, we all met together together. Uh, him and his bride and myself and Allison and we talked through these things in a couple meetings and um, then we met every other week um, when Joseph was born so I could bond with Joseph and man God blessed it like I'm learning what being blessed is now through this obedience in this well I'm proud of you for that yeah because that's not easy and uh, there's not a lot of guys that have been able to do that and so you are a testimony to them. And, and hats off to Allison for staying plugged into a church yeah. and being faithful. Who's Allison? That is my now wife. Amen. Yes. And the mother of your son. Yes. And uh, she's a trooper, man. Oh, man. Yeah. God made her for me, that's for sure. She is a tough cookie. Yeah. And she can change an engine block. Yep. You right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Casey couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, as we're talking, he's like, so you're a mechanic. She was she she stopped working at eight months exactly to be off a month to get things ready before she um, had the child. So she turned wrenches until she was eight months pregnant. Do you ever do you ever fear uh, do you ever fear relapse, Jason? I really don't. I do um, want to be away from those my the old friends and the things that um, I know that it, are around it. So I have a fear of being around those who are on drugs or alcohol. Like I know to stay away from them, but honestly, um, I know that God would take me out of the program. If I was to go back, it would be, we're going home, son. Oh yeah. A sin that leads to death. Yeah. Um, and I believe that means, you know, your number's up, you're coming home. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of arguments over that verse, but that's what I believe it. I yep. believe there is a sin, which leads to death. God will say, okay, you're forgiven, but it has a consequence, you know? Yeah. Um, so tell us just, and we don't have a whole lot of time left, but what's life like for you now with the family, you're a Christian, you're living in a Christian home, a Christian marriage where it's not just, I got saved 25 years ago at a church camp and now I'm good. 
it's I'm living the gospel out. I'm plugged into a local church. I serve. Um, I'm mentoring other men. My wife and I we're 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 serving the Lord. Our yep. kids are raised. I mean, real living, breathing Christianity. Yep. So, what's that life? Oh, it it's amazing. It's full. Um, you know, we uh, we were active in the church. <clears throat> excuse me. And with Freeway, you know, Allison serves on Tuesdays at the shower trailer. I'm up here on Wednesdays with you guys doing you never know what it'll be. Um, there's uh, just the support and everything from the local church and through Freeway. Um, I do believe that I'm called to um, pastor a Freeway partnered with a church, and I'm learning to do that. I was just telling uh, somebody earlier about like I knew that I had, I, I wouldn't have called it a call in my life in my little jail Bible. And the day that I started the Timothy project, I'm reading my jail Bible and the first page I flip is when I dated it, you know, and I didn't know what it looked like. And God put me in freeway to, to show me. I'm thankful for the men that I see leading their families it, while doing ministry. I'm seeing it. God's allowing me to see that. Um, but our life is great. I'm getting some opportunities to preach, um, opportunities to teach in our life group. I'm trusted. You know, like that's such a huge deal. I remember Casey Merritt talking to another guy, and I was just standing there as he was telling him about how a decision could take a year before you could recover from it. And I just thought about this year that I had done and had worked hard to build this trust. People trusted me. I mean, I just house-sitted for you for a week, took care of your animals, things that are valuable, and not to mention your home and these things, your your domain. Um, it is such a big deal to me um, to not look back and – uh, to honor. And that's also a message to you from me that I trust you. Yeah. And that I really believe that there is a God in heaven who came and, and lived as a man and rose from the grave and really brings true change to us. Yes. That you are not the same person anymore. Yes. And, uh, and that's what Jesus does. So you want to be a, you want to be a, a missionary. You want to, you yep. want to lead a freeway one day. You yep. graduated the house. Yep. You graduated the Timothy Project. Um, you're about to be freed up to do more serving. Uh, and um, and so what's your biggest burden today? I'm going to say like burden as in struggle is. Um, um, what breaks your heart? What's your burden? Like what is what is the thing that you like, man, I want to I want to I want to do something about that. Man, it would be. I've got a heart for young men that don't know how to do life for real with Jesus. That's my biggest burden. That's what I know from even before I went to freeway, like when I was in jail for that six months reading and praying, like that's what it was. Like I remember ministering to the guys in jail, like they're 19, 20. It's like, man, you don't have to go this way. Right. You don't have to do this. Yeah. That's my biggest one. What hurts you the most? Watching somebody turn away. Um, from the truth like just cold shouldering it like not being affected by it at all yeah an unrepentant heart you know they're not right with god they sit under the preaching and they walk away like they just watch the paint dry yep that's good um so what brings you joy today i tell you last night um i got home from a meeting with a guy in the in the men's house and his dad and come home and uh, played in the floor with uh, our 10-year-old daughter, Holly, and the 11-month-old 
uh, boy Joseph and my wife and just played with this ball. You know, because like learning to do life with a family is uh, challenging and humbling. I, God has really shown me my heart and many things. And like I want to do these spiritual things. And uh, that was it that night was playing with that ball, you know, with all of us. Last night I took my three-year-old on a date. Yeah. And uh, we went on a daddy-daughter date, and she wanted to go to the playground yep. and, and swing. Yeah. And so uh, so we went to dinner, and then we went and swang at the playground. Yeah. till dark almost. And, yep. uh, you know, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So uh, are you happy, Jason? Yes. Yeah, life's good. Amen. Life is good. So how long have you been clean and sober now? Since November of 21. Yep. So going on two years. Yep. Well, I'm excited for your future, brother. Yep. Thank you for sharing. Um, I love you. I'm proud of you. Amen. And so if you guys have enjoyed this podcast, uh, One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries, and you can help us continue to do this. If you want to support us, uh, you can go to freeway-ministries.com, and you can partner with us by giving. Uh, you can become a one-time uh, giver or a monthly supporter. Also, would you help us grow this? Because there's people who really need to hear what's going on in, in, in people's lives like Jason. Uh, the unique, intimate details of people's life that come from the mess to the message. And so uh, share this. Share this with your friends. Share it on your social media platform. Uh, very good to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Till next time, we'll see you on More Broken Life.